What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris at the uh, Talk Team Podcast. This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to the Real Talk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to introduce my friend and colleague and one of the Denver, Colorado founders of the Compass Office, Jessica Northup. Just to give you a quick background on Jessica, she was previously working at Sotheby. She's been there for nine years. Prior to that was a realtor at CRS, Coldwell Banker United. She is one of the top brokers at Compass, sells about 75 to 100 homes a year. Very excited that uh, she's agreed to spend some time with us today. Uh, Jessica is also part of Give Back Homes, which is a nonprofit started by the founder of Tom's Shoes, where buy a pair of shoes, one pair is given back to charity. Other than that, as far as our conversation for today is concerned, we will talk Colorado market, a little bit about Jessica's background, how she became a real estate broker, what she likes about Compass, uh, her experience since joining Compass, since this is still one of our relatively new markets as of today, August 2019. Jessica, welcome. How are you doing today? I am doing good. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having Yay. us. So stoked. You have a really nice office. Thank you. And your colleagues are awesome. Uh, they are. They are. Your we have a really cool. very good group of people. Yeah. Great, great. Very collaborative. The compass word, but um, really great energy. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. walked in and everybody's already smiling. <laughs> like, they don't even know me. They're already smiling. Uh, Something about the Colorado air and the culture here at Compass. Rocky Mountain High. Yeah. Wink. Yeah. That's what we say. And your team is really nice, too. Yeah, thank you. Everybody's been uh, super... Uh, uh, accommodating. So, so just a little bit about yourself. Uh, just tell me a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, where you went to school. Did you study real estate? Yeah. Uh, what What's the beginning here? Yeah, the beginning is I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Indiana, Southern Indiana. Um, I have four sisters, um, so five girls in our family, and uh, you know we were very involved in a lot of activities growing it's up. A lot of females in one house. A lot. Huh? I, so I think that the, the background there is I think that you know from the early point organized chaos was organized. just part of my life. Yes, real estate <laughs> is organized chaos. Organized chaos. Um, so and I actually got into real estate when I was 18 years old. Wow. Yes. What was the story there? That is a long story, so let's skip the, it was probably a little bit out of uh, rebellion, a little bit out of rebellion. I had some parents who wanted me to do certain things. I said, I'm not going to do that. And they said, you're going to do something. And I said, I'm going to get my real estate license. It's a true story. <laughs> they say, uh, like, you got to go to college. You, you have to do something. And I said, I'm going to, gonna, yeah, you gotta, yeah. If you're not going to college, get out of my house. Basically, it's like, you got to do something. <laughs> okay, so I was like, well, I'm going to get my real estate license. Um, I think they both thought also I'd probably be good at it, um, personality-wise. Uh, you know, I'm a people person. I can relate to a lot of people. So um, got my real estate license at 18. It was really from the age of 18 that I was like Did working. you have a mentor or somebody you aspired to when you got into real estate or did you just go in blind? I just went in blind. Good for you. Went in blind. First day at the office, I'll never forget, I was an assistant. They brought a piece of paper and said, order the PR. And I just sat there for, like, a good, like, I was like, what the hell is the PR? Like, I had property report. It's a county oh, record. I'm like, sorry. I thought it was public relations. We don't even use that acronym Well, anymore. that was, you know, back in the day anyway. So I've walked around the office, you know, for probably a couple hours asking people, where would I get, you know, I had to learn the business from the ground up. So I think that's one of the strengths is I have had to literally work for every piece of business I've ever gotten. Tell me about your first deal. I was a, an assistant. Oh, assistant as a buyer. As a buyer's Got agent. Okay. Um, assistant. And uh, it was so a listing. I was on a team, yeah. and the, the head agent had a listing, yeah. 
and uh, we had an offer that was out, and he had submitted a counter offer, and I had to actually drive it there because there was no fax. There was no scanning, awesome. and I had to take it, and I had to leave it at the um, at the office, and and then I went and showed it to a new buyer because we were under how contract. How do they typically yet. do it then? Most offices had faxes back then. There are no faxes yet. This is like oh. circa '95. My goodness. Literally. There's no fax in '95. No. Hmm. Or is this like barely? No. I don't think there were. It was like the, where you had three copies. This is embarrassing. Are you going to play this, this part? Is great. Of course. <laughs> this, is the, this is the juice. So you drove um, it over. So anyway, I drove it over. I laid it down. And then I went and showed the house to the buyers for yeah. him. It has, wasn't our contract yet. And um, I came back and they said, oh, we want to write an offer. And I was like, well, thinking, oh, well, we already took that counter offer. So I came back to the office. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, they really liked it. They wanted to write an offer. And he's like, well, where's the counter? I said, well, it's over at Cole Banker. He's like, go pick it up. So I got back in my car, ran over, and I said, can I have that counter proposal back from a different agent? Yeah. Took it back. We tore it up. Mm-hmm. And then we wrote on my my buyers. And on we double ended it. Oh, good. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we could bring it back. That was the first deal. <laughs> I still remember the house. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, and how big was the commission check? That's what I don't remember, actually. <laughs> As an assistant, you get like 2% of Not a lot. Uh, 2% out of 4%. <laughs> Not a lot. 2% of a half of a percent. <laughs> yeah, 2% yeah. of a percent. You live to see another day, basically. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. so part of your job back then was you had to use how to use a fax machine. You have to learn how to use I, a fax I've gone machine. through everything. Fax machines, scanners, dial-up. What, what, did they use typewriters back then? No, t- oh, I'm not going to say that. Okay. Maybe. Well, no, no, no. Believe you, it or not. Nothing, you hand, nothing you wrong were, with typewriters. I, I use typewriters still. Handwritten. I think it was mainly handwritten. You did a handwritten contract because there were three pieces, the white, the yellow, and the pink. Okay. And then yeah, afterwards, yeah. you would and okay. give them a copy. Yeah, yeah. You have carbon yes. copy. Carbon copy. That's it. That's yeah. right. It's like certified bank checks. This is very copies. embarrassing. Not at all. This is cool. No, this is cool. This is cool. Because we're at a tech firm now. So uh, right, right. Gone. We've done everything. We're going future. Into the future. Right. I, New York City, we don't see a lot of, like, discount agencies. Yeah. But I was at Tom Ferry last week, and that was the big top topic. Yeah. It was, you know, how do you compete against mm-hmm. Redfin? Mm-hmm. Um EXP and some mm-hmm. of the other under you know, yep. iBuyers. Yep. And, uh, they, Tom Ferry showed a chart. It was like uh-huh. in 2000, it was traditional brokerages had 95% of the pie. Yep. And then the rest, and then the, the, uh, 10% was broken into FISBOs, mm-hmm. uh, broken into um, uh, some iBuying or right. s- smaller right. buyers, uh, and then some off market right. deals, right? Family right. family deals, whatnot. Yep. So, and then Fast forward now, the pie was broken down where it was about 80% traditional brokerages mm-hmm. and then 10% I buyers, mm-hmm. and then the bottom 10% was again broken into the right. same similar segments. Right. It was off market deals, FISBOs, sure. and whatnot. So sure. 80% of traditional brokerages, about 10 to I think 15% was discount agencies. Mm-hmm. So there's a big rise of discount mm-hmm. agencies, and the low commission model has been coming in. Right. How do you pitch when, when you go against either a buy side rep or a a sell side rep. How do you win those pitch, uh, sure. the, the pitch, yeah, pitch meetings? Well, I would counter that a little bit, but I think yeah. because I think if you go back in history, there's always been yeah. some it's form of a for sale by owner, FISBO, or discounted type brokerage. Discount I think model. that that's a, that that model has always been there. Yeah. Is is it uh, becoming you know a little bit different with the i buyer? Yes, et cetera, et cetera. But it's always been there. How I feel about that is basically though that clientele is not my clientele. So I don't feel like I'm really competing against that because it's a def- definitely a different level of service, and most of my clients are going to be coming from referral, past clients, et cetera, et cetera, and they are expecting a certain level of um, expertise, experience, service. Okay. So for me, I don't feel like that's a big part of uh, what I'm competing against at the moment. Good. So has anyone ever asked you, 
this company does it for 4%. Mm -hmm. This company does it for 2%. Or this yep. buyer yep. Uh, broker, Redfin, will give me back sure. uh, 2%, whatever right. it may be. Right. How do you counter that? I think we go with Robert's answer to that, which is discounts can be expensive. Discounts can be expensive. You know. There you go. That's right. When you, when you uh, stack the cards and bring so much value right. to the table, right. they understand that the discount value model may not be the best when right. representing their mm -hmm. most, one of their most expensive assets that they personally mm -hmm. own. And many times when I go on a listing appointment, I do a very thorough listing appointment. Yeah. And by the end, they look at me say, and they'll say, what's your commission? 6% or whatever it may be. Sure. Full, a full commission. Um, well, we've never paid that, but based on what you're providing, I see why. Yeah. And so many times when you Good. can support the value that you're bringing, that's not going to be a topic of conversation. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, and that I completely understand. Mm -hmm. uh, discount models in New York City has been always been the same. They've mm -hmm. been around, but they disappear. They, right. They don't last. Right. They haven't been around. Right. So it... it, it I think Denver being the market that it is, it's not, they're not cheap homes. No. They're, they're expensive. You have, mm -hmm. you know, from Denver to Aspen, you have a million to $50 million right. dollar listings. And that right. type of asset, mm -hmm. you can't really sell at a, with a discount no. representation. No. Right? No. Yeah, so I, w I was in Tom Ferry for the first time, and man, the room was, it was tense. Mm -hmm. People. Interesting. I mean, I mean, this is not, you know, Tom Ferry is cool because it's. Right. Not just New York and LA. Right. You know, it's like you got Arkansas and. Right. And, random. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or you right. have like uh, what are you, yeah. Minnesota. And yeah. They, they were scared. Yeah. Like, you know, they, I, I, yeah. I could feel the vibe was not as joyous mm -hmm. as it was maybe perhaps in the past. I don't know. It was my first mm -hmm. time there, but. Okay. Really cool stuff. What's, what are some of your biggest challenges this year in 2019? 2019, biggest challenges. I mean, I think my big, our biggest challenge or my biggest challenge is just time management yeah. and staying on our schedule, which we try we try to do. Yeah. Fitting everything in, um, always creating the value, um, yeah. you know, staying on track that way. Okay. What do you um, mean by you know, creating the value? Um, you know, for... Being hands-on more? Yeah, being hands-on. Always create... It's like you're going to be there during the transaction. What value are you providing before, during, and after the transaction to maintain a relationship with your client that's authentic and real and provide real value to them? Busy with the transaction, I'm always trying to have events or include community, have community. Um, so making sure we're still doing a lot of that stuff um, and staying in flow with our clients that way is okay. important to me. How hard is it, or at, at what point does it become so hard if you're selling? I mean, to me... 75 individual homes is a lot of houses. How do you become, how do you stay on, on you know, how do you stay hands-on with that yes. many deals going yeah. happening? You create a team and you create, <laughs> you create systems uh -huh. and you have a director of operations who's uh -huh. sitting right here with us uh -huh. uh, who keeps us on track, <laughs> keeps us on track, does a follow through, you know, systems, systems, systems uh -huh. is going to be the way to, um, you know, Keep everything keep in everything. order. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Keep moving ahead. Good. Yeah. Uh, for just going back into uh, pitch and battles, I mean, I'm curious just because we're in the same business. How do you win your pitches? What's your strategy when you go in? Oh, the strategy is just go hard. You don't have to give me all your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> go hard. Uh, I think that my angle is basically I'm very direct. That's my personality anyway. I don't sugarcoat things. Sure. I really try to be very detailed about the marketing, yeah. um, about the game plan, the uh, custom marketing plan for my clients, and then really dial in the comps and understanding their market, what's happening. It's confusing. I think it's very confusing for Do you for a send consumer. in your pitch package before the meeting? I do not. No. Mm -mm. Do I you send bring in a pitch package at the meeting? I do. You do? I do. I do you like to sit, force them to sit down and go page by page, or are you more about... Typically, most people nope. don't read it, right? They don't want to read a 
I do. I would say eighty percent of the time is sitting down sitting and down. going through it. Um, going through the marketing plan okay. and also the comps. Okay. I think at the luxury level, it's a different conversation and there's not, they're not wanting to sit at a table nope. and they want to have a conversation and they that's want it. to, that's, that's a different um, pitch for you. sure. Yeah. They, they want to know, know you. Yeah. They don't care what's on the, the Exactly. Sheet. That's correct. Right. A glossy yep. piece of sheet of paper isn't going to do much. No, that. no. That it's crap. a conversation. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, if, let's just say some of the listeners are newer agents, uh, what, is some of your advice that you would give it for someone that may be going on their first pitch? Yeah. Um, advice for new agents going on their first pitch. Yeah. I would practice. <laughs> practice. Okay. Practice. Like role play. Role play. Well, I think when I would go on my pitches, um, to just to rewind a little bit, when I was after I was a buyer's agent, then I became a listing agent. Yeah, so I was so. actually the listing agent yep. for a top producing agent. Uh-huh. And it was basically learn the pitch, yeah. memorize it, practice it, do it over and over, because then when you get in front of them, um, you've had the experience. It's all about experience, and don't be afraid. My other, that, that would be another really don't huge... Don't be afraid. Don't act scared. Huh? Well, don't act scared, but don't... Oh, I think a lot of agents that I've seen or newer agents, they want help, so they're going to go to a mentor and say, come yeah. with me. Can yeah. you help me? They don't... It's it, it's baptism by fire. You have to do it yourself. Yeah. You have to learn on your own. You have to be red and splotchy. Love it. You got to be nervous. You have to embarrass yourself. That's how you learn. You got to make mistakes. You do. You absolutely and it do. It sucks, but you got to. You have to do it yourself. That's the only way to learn. See, I love I, I love that about what what you just said because mm-hmm. you came in by yourself. Yep. You started the business by yourself. It's mm-hmm. not like you were being Mm-mm. you were brought in by a mentor into mm-hmm. the business. Mm-hmm. So you. That's what you precisely did. Yep. You learn by fire. Yep, you baptize by fire, and you'll 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 learn to uh, think on your feet pretty quickly. Yeah, and and come up with an answer to a question when someone's staring at you across from across the table. Yeah. So the more <laughs> the story is running right. the gauntlet is the yep. best way to learn. Just go. Yeah. Don't always ask for help. Don't always bring somebody in. You have to do it. Then you okay. know you did it yourself. That nice. helps build confidence. Nice. Okay. Uh, no, just kind of the confidence. Yeah, that's that's a big that's a big play in our business. You have mm-hmm. to have you have to have it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you can't sell. Mm-mm. If you you're gonna sell somebody's two million dollar home and you don't have any confidence, it, you're right. you're not gonna be in the business very right. long. Right. Uh, switching to you had confidence. To, speaking of confidence, you had confidence to come to Compass, right. a company that you probably well, let's just say Denver people mm-hmm. don't know. Didn't know what Compass was no. a year ago. No. Aspen maybe a small, you know, Aspen right. was very early, but right. no one knew Compass in Denver. So, right. so who approached you? What happened? What was the conversation sure. like? Why, and then why did you join? Yeah. Well, I think we'd heard rumblings of Compass, um, but we hadn't really, you know, but Mark has been very good and very busy, so you haven't necessarily been looking to make a change. Right. Nobody um, wants to make a change when business is good. Right. Why rock the right. ship? With that said, the market is changing and real estate industry is changing so much right now. It's kind of like, you know, you should be changing, but I'm just going to keep working. So when I was approached, which it was, uh, say, December of this last year of 2018, um, they call, call, Compass called. And I was like, I'm not going. I don't want to meet with them. I don't, you know, that's not my, that's not what I'm doing. I absolutely am not moving. Yeah. Um, and they were very persistent. I'm thank, thankfully they were. And I said, I'm going to go so I know what the competition is doing. If they're going to launch, I want to know what the competition is doing in Denver. So you want to keep your enemies closer. That's right. Um, and really, after the first meeting, I was blown away. I was oh, blown good. away with the direction, um, with the energy. Um, I, I was pretty blown away. Um, what right was one thing? What, what was one thing that made you think like, wow, actually, this is way better? <clears throat> um, do, do you have any one thing, anything specific that you could recall that I made think, you made you 
become yeah, blown I away. think that some of the, the concierge program, I think being different, like what's the differentiator? How are you going to be different? And everything is same, same. And I felt that way for a long time. How are you, how, I always try to say, how can I be different? And Compass is bringing something different, Con, you know, bringing value. I always want to bring value. Um, and it's not about pumping myself up or the company. It's like, how can I bring value to those clients? Compass Concierge, a platform that's user-friendly. Um, those are things that really resonated with me. And then the other side of it, being aligned with a company who is collaborative, um, new energy, um, the Compass Cares program, that's something that I'm really drawn to. Yeah. And so that played to me really strongly. As Tell well. me about, I mean, this might be, this is probably more <clears throat> office gossip than anything else, but when the day you decided to leave, how, what was that transition like? And what was the conversation like? Oh, lean in. This is gossip. It was, I would say it was intense. Yeah. I would say it was intense. It was intense. I was Because you've been there. I mean, I looked at your history. Well, you've I, been there for so long. <laughs> it was, there were four initial people. We had four people on January 2nd at Compass. Now yeah. we have 150. Yeah. So we were the first four that yeah. made the decision. Remember, and that was yeah. a big deal. It's a big deal. It was a big deal in the market. I tried market reaching out to, to you like, that, that. It was a busy moment. I yeah. It was a very busy moment. And um, it was difficult. I'm very thankful for the experience I had with another, all the brokers that I've ever been with and the people that I know. And your managers, but sure. I think when you see an opportunity, everyone deserves to take an opportunity. Compass is giving an opportunity a different way. And that should be celebrated and people should wish you well and, and, and let you go down that path. Did they try to uh, give you a better offer and give you, call you back? <laughs> oh my gosh, you want huh? the dirt. You want the dirt. <laughs> um... Let's just say it was, Let's good. It was just a good conversation. Let's just say that Compass is a model that a lot of companies are following. Yeah. So they're they're did, a leader. So did, did when you when you joined naturally yeah. a, a lot of brokers may have called you right? Hey, yes. What is it like? Yep. Why did you do that? Yeah, they did. They did, and now they're here or. A lot of them are here. Uh, okay. I think there's a lot of wait and see, but there's also a lot of people. It's a big deal to make a shift, and especially again in a market that's very strong and somewhere that that you know. Uh, you're comfortable. Okay. You have to again have that courage to yeah. take the risk, to see the vision, and want to be a part of it. Yeah. And some people that takes them a little bit longer, but I think we're growing really strong here in Denver, and uh, we're getting the right people at the right time. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. So, what in terms of the Denver market? Just to tell us a little bit, especially if we're out of towners, or there's a lot of New York listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, give us a two minute breakdown of the New York market, or I'm sorry, Denver market, how mm -hmm. it works, mm -hmm. you know, what's going on in Denver, and then also a little about your business. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, Denver market has been really good. It's been really strong probably since 2011 is when we started to really rebound. And it's not because of the weed market, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, I think there's certain. Um, subsections of people that may believe that. Yeah, New Yorkers. Uh, New Yorkers, so, you know, come visit anytime. We love visitors. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can buy legally. Um, you know, I don't know that that's been a huge part. There's probably a section of business that's come from people um, people moving here maybe do that. Uh, that may be more, I think, maybe more what I've actually um, experienced is on the medical side okay. of wanting to be here for, um, you know, a real illness. Medical, and not necessarily, I'm moving there to... Lead, yeah. Exactly. Okay, exactly. So the business is moving in here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just quickly touch base on that. I, it's So weed is not a federally recognized uh, business. So right. you can't really open up a bank if you have a weed business. Can you buy a home cash from a weed business in Denver? 
You're making a weed business by something cash yeah, statement? I, guess um, I do cool. have clients who are in that industry, yeah. so everything is a little bit more tricky on the uh, purchasing side of things and yeah. where their money because is and how it's tracked. Because you can't combine national financing, right. not just say a Fannie right. Mae back to right. bank, like right. a bank Hard money. We've had hard money loans. Hard money, hard money loans. is where they're usually going for okay. that. Yeah. Okay. But, is it, but see, New Yorkers think it's a huge part of the business, but it's not. It's really not. Right? So no. you're demystifying that Yeah, 100%. Notion. 100%. Okay. Yep. All right. We still want you to come visit, though. Of course. I, mean, I think a lot of the listeners are coming to visit right. to, to entertain yeah. everything that Denver has to offer. Exactly. Like the mountains, too. Exactly. exactly. And maybe a little weed. Yeah. Nice. A little Red Rocks, but, of course. All right. And then, so, a little bit more about the Denver market in general. Yeah, so it's been really strong. Um, we've had a lot of relocation business coming in and out of Denver for the last seven or eight years. That's been a big piece of the business. Um, you know, in the 80s, it was oil and gas. Yeah. And then we kind of crashed and went down. In the late, two, you know, late 90s, it was telecom into the early 2000s. Crashed. It was a, we were kind of a, a one industry um, town. And over the last 10 years, I think that's really changed. So economically, we have a lot of different types of employment here. So if things do go down or if there is a crash in a certain subsection of employment, I don't think it's going to be as drastic as it was when we had oil and gas go down. Yeah. Uh, you know, tech, telecom go down. Okay. Um, so we've seen a lot of diversification of our um, employment here in Denver, which is great. That's great. Yeah. Yep. There's, the growth is always good. It's very good. Uh, and then for as far as, you know, what you do, you uh-huh. serve, you sell, you do buy-side representation, sell-side sure. representation of inside Denver, the city. Mm-hmm. As well as, uh, I guess, suburbs. for me, if I look at the map, it's outside the highway, right? So the suburbs. The suburbs. Yeah. That's where a big portion of the population is okay. um, because of the schools. So yes. the school, oh, yeah, yeah, right. school okay. districts are really strong in the south metro area. Public schools. Public schools are very strong. New Yorkers that, are, they don't even know what that is. They don't even know what that means. talk about private schools only. Oh my gosh, move here because our public schools are so good, you can't oh. believe it. No, there are... Our, so our, we have the IB program and the AP program? High ratings. It's, it is, uh, we're in a lot of the country, it is uh, middle income is going to um, a private school because they have to. Yeah. And grandma and grandpa and cousin, everybody's chipping in so the yeah. kids can go to a yeah. private school. That's the exception to the rule in Denver. Most kids go to the public schools because they're so strong, and it's a choice to go to a private school. See, I heard uh, Joe Rogan said he hates L.A. because he doesn't want Joe Rogan's the mm-hmm. podcast, big podcast guy, too. Uh-huh. But he, he wants to move to Denver, possibly, because he mm-hmm. knows mm-hmm. that the school system is good for his kids and also the, right. the whole notion of... Uh, mm-hmm of being an overpopulated city sometimes does have an effect on the education system. Right, right. No, and we're... 25,000 people moved to Denver or Colorado uh, a month or something like that. It's a huge number. It's yeah. a huge number. But we're even seeing uh, where Denver, as soon as people had kids, they'd move to the suburbs. Have kids move. move we're seeing suburbs. that change over the last five years where younger couples or couples who, who get married and are going to have children, they're staying in the city. So we're even seeing schools within Denver proper, elementary schools. That are shift coming up. Up and coming, changing, um, scores are coming up, which is a really, really great thing. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what... So more about your business. Uh, sure. How do you how, how do you serve your clients and customers? What's your specialty? You know, I think going back to the, our original is I've had to start from the ground up. Yeah. So it's always been find the deal. And yeah. um, it's the who's your hustle. I grew up in Indiana, so it's always hustling. I say you can always find a deal. Where people say, where's the deal? There's always a deal. Find the deal. That's what I tell my team. That's what I tell myself. Find the deal. Um, service the client. Un- uh, overpromise, overdeliver, yeah. and you're going to ha- win cl- Win clients for life. And Hustle hard. Hustle hard. Hustle hard. Yep. Okay, good. And yeah. then uh, on the sell side, the same thing, right? When, when they say, when you say 
you can't find a deal for a seller. This, your job is to get the maximum value. Maximum value is is um, educating them. What yeah. do you need to do to sell your house? Presentation. Um, how are we positioning? Price. You have to educate. You have to be direct and do it on a, on a weekly basis of saying this is where the market is. This is where the market is. Keeping them informed of that um, so they can be successful. Good. Good. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. If anybody ever has any questions, you could reach her on Instagram. Go ahead and plug your Instagram handle. My Instagram is Jessica underscore Northrop, N-O-R-T-H-R-O-P. R-O-P. That's right. Okay, great. And uh, she's always available to easily reach there. Yes. So thank you guys for listening to the Real Talk episode, and we'll see you next time.